you are listening to My City, My Health, the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healthy Project podcast, My City, My Health edition. My name is Brooklyn, and I'm going to be your host today. I'm a current health studies major at the University of Iowa, and my classmates and I are supporting the My City, My Health conference in Iowa City this coming April 28th, 2023. This conference is bringing the University of Iowa and the Iowa City Corridor community together to discuss health equity programs and collaborations in the area. Today, I am here with Dr. Marta Van Beek to highlight her work and experience with health equity in our community. I'm very excited for this conversation today, and I think you guys will be too. So let's get right into it. Dr. Van Beek, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your definition of health equity? Yes. Uh, so I am a dermatologist and Mohs micrographic surgeon. I work at the University of Iowa, where I see patients both at the university and the VA Medical Center. Most of my practice is spent teaching residents, fellows, and medical students about dermatology and Mohs micrographic surgery. I also have an administrative role in as an executive medical director overseeing the ambulatory care clinics at the university uh, main campus. Um, and I also have been very involved with my National Dermatology Society and the American Medical Association with advocacy. So I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, regarding my the definition that I really like uh, about health equity is the one that's actually really well articulated by the CDC at the Centers of Disease Control. And that's where health equity is a state in which everyone has a fair and just opportunity to attain their highest level of health. And in order to achieve that, we actually have to address both current and historical um, injustices. And we have to make sure that we allow all populations to overcome any economic, social, and any other obstacles for them to access health in order to maintain their best health state. Absolutely. I like how you bring in the historical perspective as well, because that is so important. We can't just focus on the future. We need to learn from the past as well. So, Well, and I think if we don't stop and look at some of the historical injustices, um, they're overlooked and then they can't be rectified. And sometimes when when the system has been in place for so long, and that's all one knows is that's where the system is, sometimes those injustices or those obstacles that are systematic are not recognized by the general population. So we really have to be careful about looking carefully at those. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about the work that you have been a part of to help improve health equity? Yes, so uh, I would say at the national level, um, I just completed uh, a six-year term as secretary treasurer for the American Academy of Dermatology, uh, which is an uh, organization that represents all dermatologists in the country, uh, in the United States. And we embarked and funded a very aggressive um, plan in uh, implementing diversity, equity, inclusion into every aspect of the academy, into the way uh, we run meetings into the way that we're really trying to encourage a pipeline of uh, dermatologists that may represent underrepresented minorities or marginalized populations. Um, dermatology is one of the specialties uh, that is uh, the least diverse. Uh, I think orthopedics historically has been the least diverse. I think dermatology is the second. And so as a national organization, we felt like we had a lot of work to do to try to make sure that our physicians also reflected the patients that we serve. 
And the way to really address that is to make sure that you are offering uh, mentorship and guidance to people very early in the pipeline, because when you decide to do medicine, it's often something that you've decided early in college for the way that you, whatever you've decided to, to major in and or even in, in high school and making sure that every person who is interested has the opportunity to know what's involved in the application process uh, and has opportunities to do internships and that sort of thing is, is very important all along the way to make sure that our, our, health, our healthcare workforce reflects the patients we serve. I'm also on the Council on Legislation for the American Medical Association, which has embarked on a very aggressive, aggressive uh, health equity initiative in all aspects of the work that they do. And then locally at the hospital here, the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, um, through a coordination with many colleagues, one being uh, Dr. Kanya Ferguson uh, and uh, Dr. Nicole Del Castillo and Dr. Jody Tate, put together a group to address the fact that we didn't have uh, hygiene products for hair care for um, our Black patients. And so uh, we spent a lot of time querying other hospitals uh, to see what kind of products that they offered inpatients. And this really actually was started by a patient asking for a comb and realizing that we didn't have any wide tooth combs in the hospital. The hospital uh, issued combs are these tiny, thin, thin combs that don't work on curly uh, or textured hair. And so um, after querying hospitals all across the country, um, we know hospital offers uh, culturally sensitive hair care products. And so we did a lot of work in trying to make sure that our hospital offers culturally sensitive uh, hair care products to make sure that people with very curly hair have the comb and the moisturizer and the uh, hair protective um, garments that they need to make sure that they are well cared for during their hospital stay. Wow, that is great. I, I love that that's being done here at the university. It's such a small level and hopefully we can broaden that. And and I think what what is, I mean, we're very glad that we're able to offer the service, but I think what's most distressing about the story is how long that it has taken for a healthcare institution anywhere in the country to recognize that we overlooked an entire patient population on their basic needs as far as combing their hair or making sure that their hair was protected uh, in whatever style uh, that they choose to use while they're an inpatient. That's a, that's a, a profound oversight. Absolutely. And that can just make or break that patient's experience as well. If they're not being cared for, for so much as their hair, they're not going to be comfortable in their stay. And that is so important. Getting into dermatology. Can you tell me a little bit how this differs from other medical practice fields from a health equity standpoint? Well, I think I touched a little bit on that in the fact that we're really taking an aggressive approach to making sure that we build a healthcare workforce in dermatology that reflects the patient population. But dermatology is the, the care of your skin, your hair, and your nails. And there are um, there are lots of skin conditions that present very differently in uh, light colored skin versus uh, dark skin. And the Academy and many other organizations are working very hard to make sure that we have educational materials uh, for medical students and any other health 
care professional that is uh, studying dermatology to make sure that we have disease representations in both light and dark skin to make sure that people are comfortable making the diagnosis uh, as it presents differently in different, uh, different aspects or different colors of skin. Great. Moving into a little bit, I know along with being a dermatologist, you also have your master's in public health. Can you tell me a little about, about what your drive was to go for your master's in public health? Yes, I was very interested um, as a resident physician, which is when you're training after medical school and whatever your chosen specialty is, in um, skin cancer and behavioral risk factors of skin cancer and uh, had the opportunity to do an extramural NIH uh, fellowship where part of that fellowship was obtaining a master's in public, public health, uh, which allowed me to work with some really wonderful people in the College of Public Health, Dr. Leslie Dennis, in uh, studying behavioral risk factors for uh, skin cancer and specifically for melanoma. We know that your risk of skin cancer is genetically determined, but it also is directly affected by the amount of sun exposure you get and uh, what kind of habits you have. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about the importance of these frequent skin cancer screenings and how we can improve the rates of getting these regular screenings, especially from a health equity standpoint, those who wouldn't always have the opportunity to come in regularly? So our department and many other academic departments and even private dermatologists across the country often offer uh, skin cancer screenings that are open to the public, uh, which are important because that gives the opportunity for a patient to access uh, healthcare when they may not, may not already be able to access healthcare. I think, um, I think where we offer those skin cancer screenings is just as important as having to offer them. So for example, um, recently, we have done some uh, health or skin cancer screenings with some of the migrant worker populations in the area and making sure that we go to them and, and provide that service in their location makes it much more accessible for them to get that service. I think wherever healthcare can meet the patient where they are allows patients to access healthcare much more easily when patients have constraints of family caregiving or jobs or transportation, uh, the closer we can be to offer that, closer we can be to where that patient is to offer that healthcare, the more successful we can be uh, in addressing the equity issue. Absolutely, access is everything. It's great. In your time as a medical professional, have you seen improvements in health equity and medicine overall? I think medicine, um, historically ha has a lot of reckoning to do uh, with health equity. Uh, I think that um, healthcare organizations are um, taking a, a really hard look at that. And I am um, comforted by the fact that many organizations are taking a hard look at that and coming up with systemic comprehensive plans to look at historically maybe what they have done what kind of changes they have to implement to do better um, and to maybe even uh, rectify some of those historical injustices that have taken place. So I believe, you know, the, the first step is, is awareness and recognition. And I think that that is happening at the national level and at the local level and at the specialty level. 
And now really the work is to make sure that the plans that are in place and the restructuring of the way that we deliver healthcare actually manifests in addressing equity. So I think we're at the first step. I think we have a lot of work to do and to make sure that we're constantly remeasuring and going back at the and looking at the systems in which way we deliver healthcare or uh, looking at policies that maybe we've passed to address some of these issues and make sure and measure, are we really making a difference? Does it really make a difference at the patient level? Do patients have more trust in the medical system? I mean, I think in addition to providing access, I think there, uh, for legitimate reasons, there is a lot of mistrust in medicine uh, by marginalized populations. And that is based on some injustices that have happened um, throughout history. And I think not only do we need to make sure that patients have access, but we also need to work hard to regain the trust uh, that we care deeply about the patient and uh, that we understand their disease pathway and that our treatment recommendations fit with their cultural standards and their cultural needs. Absolutely. Getting into our health conference that we have coming up in little under two months now. Um, you're going to be speaking on one of our healthcare panels uh, coming up. Can you tell me a little bit what you hope that the My City and My Health conference can, this the effect that they can have on our community? What effects do you hope to see come out of this conference? Well, I think anytime you have a conference where you have guest speakers and, and panelists, there is a great opportunity to share ideas. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to the the opportunity to share ideas and hear how other people have been addressing issues that we can actually work synergistically on, on um, addressing uh, health equity. Uh, specifically, I will be speaking in a panel on the work that we did and making sure that the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics offers a culturally sensitive uh, hair care, care and beard products uh, for the inpatient setting. But I also think that the those conferences, especially when it's at the community level, allows all of us to hear directly from the community what we're missing, uh, where our efforts maybe have missed the target and where we can do better. I think the more community involvement that we get in um, looking at the issue and trying to come up with sol multifaceted solutions to address the issue, the, the, the faster we're gonna get to where we wanna be um, because it's that constant community integration with healthcare that where we can build trust and where we can learn to find out where we're not addressing the things that we need to be addressing. Absolutely. Getting into community involvement, how do you see community members having the ability to get involved and carry out the goals that you have and the work that you want to be done? So we know that uh, some obstacles for access um, rely on transportation and maybe food security. And so I think, or food insecurity. So I think the community has, um, can do a lot to make sure that we uh, are providing a foundation where patient populations can access healthcare and make sure that they, do, they don't have food insecurity and that there is a transportation uh, option to be able to get patients where they need to be and or uh, a community space where a healthcare entity could go into that community and provide a service. 
So without that community connection, I think we um, would lose the ability to really be able to embed healthcare where it needs to be placed. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Van Beek, for speaking with me today. If our listeners would like to hear more from Dr. Van Beek, you can go to mycity.myhealth and you can learn a little bit more about the My City My Health Conference that's coming to Iowa City on April 28th, 2023. Registration is now open if you would like to attend in person or virtual. And with that, we'll see you at the conference. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you.